Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. So I think I've said this before, and uh, I don't want to sound self-congratulatory, but I have to say, Kate and I have really great people working for us at School for the Dogs. I am so just thrilled, (laughs) thrilled to have a team of people who have these, um, these special talents and interests. Um, thrilled to have these people um, working towards the same goal uh, all together under the school for the dog's umbrella, the goal of helping dogs and people live happier lives together. And I feel especially, um, I don't know, like sort of maybe sappy about it lately. Uh, I think just because this has been such a difficult year for um, pretty much everyone in the world. And um, one thing that, one blessing, one one silver lining has been that I feel like um, it's brought our staff closer together and um, just made me all the more grateful. So today I am sharing with you a conversation I had with Sasha Prasad. Sasha has been with School for the Dogs for over a year now, um, but you maybe haven't met her at the studio because especially lately she does a lot of behind the scenes stuff. She does a lot of our Instagramming, the wonderful roundups we do on the weekend. And she also is the person who answers uh, a lot of emails that come into our info box. Uh, But Sasha is an animal trainer uh, in her own right, currently working with fish actually. So I am, um, I'm excited to share this conversation she and I had. Hi. Hello. Wow. The lighting where you are is beautiful. You are glowing. Thank you. I'm right in the window. Yeah. Amazing. So I am psyched to get to talk to Sasha Prasad and to see your little doggy there. Yeah. Chloe's here. Lilo's down here. Jackson will probably make himself heard at some point. So the gang's all here. Three, you're a three dog, a three dog household in New York City. Yeah, and... not on purpose, but here we are. So, Aww. and I know one of them, one of them has been in hospice care at home, home hospice care. Is that right? Yeah, it's been a pretty wild ride. So Lilo, she's seventeen. Um, 
we brought her to the emergency vet um, sometime in late August, and they told us she was in kidney failure and that she had a couple days to a couple weeks left. But here we are going on a month, and her behaviorally, she's, I mean, she's a little slower, and I have to do a lot more coaxing to get her to eat, but she's eating full meals. She's still doing the things that she likes to do. She's going for walks and so I don't know, we're, mm-hmm. we're really grateful and we're taking it one day at a time. Now, um, I want to, I want to hear the origin of the dogs, but, um, cause I, I know that you said it wasn't on purpose <laughs> <laughs> yes. and I know two of them are bonded. So I want to hear more, but first I, I just wanted to give anyone listening a little background of who, who you are. Um, so I, I first saw your name come into my inbox um, because M hired you as a walker for our currently on pause walking program Correct. in New York City, where we had um, some pretty high standards for the people we were hiring to be walkers. And uh, I just saw your name, but like nothing else attached come into my inbox. And you were like, had some sort of question about employment. And I was like, who is this person? Hold on. I didn't know about, I think I, I think it was like while I was away for the summer and, uh, and I was, I was like, how, how am hired somebody? Hold on. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't feel like I was on top of things, but then I saw your resume and I was like, this is why you hire someone amazing like M is because they're just going to then like find someone that like you are so excited to see their resume and be like, oh my God, this person already actually works for us. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I really appreciate it was, that. It was a nice yeah. feeling. It was a nice feeling because I, I just was like, oh, this person is meant to be at school for the dogs and M has already like found her and, you know, taking care of her. And, and since then, uh, Sasha has done, has worn many hats in the last about it's been about a year right yeah it's it's actually I think I I just got like a notification that it was officially a year like a week ago or something oh happy work anniversary yeah thank you um it's been a it's been a wild year for sure and uh, so in, in the interim um besides being a star walker um Sasha has been our new client coordinator um you have done some like HR work for us and uh, you man the inbox or woman the inbox a lot of the time um, and deal with, I mean, the new client stuff has been huge, having you on board to do that, um, like making that just kind of uh, a focus for you, I think was super helpful to us as a business, um, even though I know that's role has changed a little bit. And then over the last... um, Six months or so, uh, Sasha has been doing a lot of our social media stuff, posting on um, an Instagram, on Facebook. She does uh, our our roundups throughout the week. Uh, so if you're DMing with somebody about using your photos, it is very likely Sasha. Um, and uh, so you've been one year now at School for the Dogs and one year also uh, under your belt of getting your master's in a two-year program, right? Yes, that's true. So, yep. Big milestones. So why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about um, your your pre New York City life and and the program and everything that that brought you here? 
Sure. So immediately before moving to New York, I lived in Boston. Um, I was in Boston for five years. Um, that's where I started and then sold a dog walking company. Um, and how, did, how did that come about that you had your own dog walking company? I actually was thinking about this this morning and how I'd have to kind of confess how I started this company. And it wasn't anything like terrible, but just looking back on it now, it's like, so I, I basically, I, I was one of those people who was like, quote, not a dog person for the majority of my life, which is like blasphemous at this point. But I, I didn't grow up with dogs because my dad is super allergic. Um, so I just like, I guess as a defense mechanism, just like told everyone I wasn't a dog person. But then, so prior to moving to Boston, I was teaching middle school. And when I moved, I knew I, 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 teaching just wasn't for me. So I wasn't going to continue doing that. And I needed something to do. So in my head, I foolishly was like, well, anyone can walk dogs. I'll start, I'll be a dog walker. And rather than like try to find a job with uh, an existing company or anything, I just kind of did it, like bootstrapped it on my own. And um, yeah, so I had never really worked with or walked dogs before professionally Wait, claiming this, so, this that. Is so so, this, yeah. well, so it's interesting though. So you weren't particularly into dogs. You were just like anybody could be a dog walker. Yeah, I, I, I really hate saying that out because I know it's so far from the no, truth. But yes, that's really, what I thought, and that's what I did. That's I think it's really interesting and honest and and kind of funny <laughs> because like you know like I guess I'll, it it seems funny, but and yet like how many people end up like dog walkers like that? Probably a lot. Right. And, and now looking back on it, like the fact that anybody like hired me and like, I was doing my best and like, I was, I was professional. I was kind. I, I loved the dogs I was working with, but my understanding of dog behavior was, I mean, I read, I read a book and that was, that was it. I didn't have any in-person experience really with dogs. I was volunteering at the shelter at the same time to try to <laughs> fill those gaps as quickly as possible. But at the time I knew very little and I just learned by doing and I was very lucky to find some wonderful clients early on that trusted me and understood how new I was and allowed me to <laughs> learn with them and their dogs. So when when was this? This was 2014. So this was mid, like the summer of 2014 was when I started dog walking and I just like put my information on Craigslist and believe it or not, people... <laughs> responded so what's funny is that like so many people who have dog businesses if you look at um their resumes or whatever or i mean not any resume or web page whatever mm -hmm. like you know there's always the bio of like you know so and so always loved dogs their entire life <laughs> you know <laughs> or, like right. it's, it always it's it to the point of it being like oh someone else's who love dog dogs their entire life like that's an unusual thing right but here you are the anomaly the person who was like meh on dogs right well I didn't put that in my bio but <laughs> that did, it was did you my have reality. any did you have any pets growing up yeah so my dad was allergic to anything with fur so that ruled out the majority of pet possibilities but we did have fish um, I had a goldfish named Stuart who I loved tremendously and um, we did have birds. So we had a parrot, emerald, when I was growing up. And then um, my first pet on my own was um, Rue. She was a parakeet. So 
I thought I was a bird person and, but that's not, Ru you can't really make your career Before out of that. Before that was a parrot? Yeah, so my parents had a parrot uh, Being a bird person? Up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about getting a parrot. They are- crazy, you think? They Have are you? so much work. They really require really? a ton of attention and really like, mm -hmm. yeah, they just have a lot of needs that are difficult to meet. That's not to say they're impossible, but they are a lot. I think my parents thought, my parents definitely didn't realize the amount of effort it was going to take to keep Emerald happy growing up. Mm -hmm. And how did the parakeet compare to that? I also, you know, it, it, it's, it sucks to kind of learn through experience when, you know, there is an animal that's depending on you. But I also learned that a parakeet was also a lot of work. Um, and unfortunately, it took me a little while to fully grasp what that meant. But um, yeah, she, you know, I thought, oh, she's a smaller bird. She'll be less of an effort. You know, she won't require as much. But she did. Like, in order to be happy, she needed to be out of her cage most of the day, um, at least when I was home. Um, you know, she needed sunlight, but also... We had to make sure she wasn't, there weren't any drafts or anything that could make her cold. And yeah, it was just, there was a lot to consider, even with a parakeet that I didn't fully appreciate until having her. Hmm. So you didn't think I'm going to start a bird watching, a bird sitting <laughs> business, but you also, you weren't like, I'm going to become, I'm going to go wait tables. Like you could have done something else. Yeah, that actually is something... I had, I didn't really consider. Um, so when I left teaching, I had this good friend who's like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I think I want to go to grad school. So at the time it was like, okay, I need to fill a year why, while I work on my grad school application and find a program. And, and what did you think you wanted to go to grad school for? Something with animals. So I was always drawn oh. to animals. I, I wanted to do animal at the time, I thought I wanted to do conservation rather than animal behavior, which is what I'm doing now. Um, but I always knew it was going to be something with animals. When I was an undergrad, I um, I was a marine biology major. Um, I went to the University of Miami. Yeah, and I studied marine biology. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, quickly realized that I was terrified of scuba diving and motion sick on boats, and I didn't want to do lab research, so I had to find. What, what was, I'm just curious. What was what was scary about scuba diving? It's just not for me. I know people love it. I just could, I, I mean, I probably, if I spent more time actually working on it, it would be easier, but I just felt out of control. Like I couldn't get my buoyancy right. I couldn't clear my ears properly. Like I, I just wasn't in enough control of the situation to be comfortable. People love it. It's just not for me. I guess you don't have to, but it limits the type of field work you can do. Not my thing. Um, I was interning at uh, the Zoo Miami. I think, I think, yeah, at the time it's called Miami Metro Zoo. Now it's called Zoo Miami. Um, and I realized animal behavior and animal care were much more aligned with my interests and passions. So um, after graduation, it was the recession. So I just took whatever job I could get. I got a job teaching middle school, but eventually realized that I still wanted to do something with animals. So I thought I was going to go to grad school pretty soon after leaving that teaching job and that dog walking was going to be this like year long just time saver. Um, and then I ended up doing it for over five years. 
And what what was your company called? It was Freedom Tail in Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. And it, you ended up just, not just, you ended up with a bunch of people working for you. Isn't that right? So you went from walking yourself. And working part-time at REI, yeah. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And uh, what were... What was the good and what was the bad? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you know, it's really, really difficult to have a business and and a life. Like your life is your business. I'm preaching to the choir right now. <laughs> I know this. So um, that was incredibly difficult. But and and why I only did it for five years, I was able to devote everything to it for those five years. And then, you know, you get burnt out and I wanted to go back to school. But um, there was mostly it was really so good. Um, I learned so much as a dog professional, as a business owner, as a human being. Um, and then when you're spending your days with dogs, there's not too much to complain about. Yeah. Well, I, I they, they certainly lift one's mood. <laughs> yeah. I think like all dogs are actually emotional support animals. Yeah. Whether <laughs> whether they're trained to be or not, they definitely are. How did you figure out how to learn more about dogs? Like what was your first step? So when I decided I was going to start walking dogs, I was also volunteering at the MSPCA in Boston um, and big shout out to them. It's also where I got my two dogs. So I'm a really big fan of their organization. Um, but they have their volunteer program in with working with the dogs is phenomenal. Um, it is scaffolded so when you start you're just observing the dogs like you're not taking them for walk your walks you're feeding them you're watching them you're like doing basic training like sit through the kennel doors and things like that um, and that forces you just to you know watch dogs and watch their behavior and um, get more comfortable just with what dogs do um, and then you're able to graduate to walk the easiest small dogs and then through t over time um, you can eventually I never quite made it there, but you eventually get cleared to work with any dog that comes into the shelter. Um, but that that program also taught me the basics of um, positive reinforcement and loose leash walking. Um, and so I was able to take a lot of what I learned there and implement it into my company. So I also did a lot of scaffolding with my staff um, and we, you know, we, none of us were certified trainers, but we did do, I mean, you're training a dog, whether you know it or not, but we tried to very intentionally um, reinforce loose leash, loose leash walking and other good behaviors that also made the walks easier and more engaging. That's so interesting. So you kind of got like a free education through volunteering. Totally. Yeah, it was amazing. What did you, what did you learn about managing people? What can you teach me? <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's difficult. It takes a lot of patience. I was not very good at it when I first started, but yeah, it's a lot of meeting people where they are and realizing that through positive reinforcement, you can get them to where you want them to be a lot of the same principles of dog training yeah so much of it is is the same i mean it is the same it's just there's like a million more 
inputs and variables and the stakes are a lot higher and da 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 you're just like such a pleasure to work with and just such a like such a you know a great a great presence um and you you bring to the work the the background of someone who knows where it is to run a business yes i i i don't envy your position it's very hard it is not for everybody so you're doing a really great job oh thank you (laughs) it's hard it's crazy it's been a crazy time but i feel like it's also been i don't know i feel like work-wise um in a way it's it's felt like a good thing in that i feel like it's brought us all sort of closer together do you feel that way about like the staff. Yeah. Well, so the hours I was working before everything shut down were pretty isolated. I was doing the front desk before the store actually opened and only a few trainers were there. And then I would go off and do my own thing, dog walking. So the only real time I connected with anyone on staff was at staff meetings, which now we're doing every week and, you know, just being. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's made, I think I I was talking about this with a, a man this weekend who's like works in banking, I think. And he was saying pretty much the same thing that like, actually in, in a lot of ways it forces you to be in a work environment, forces you to be more intentional about making sure you get like face, yeah. face time as they say. Totally. <laughs> um, and um, yeah. So anyway, I think just like the intense, also just like the intensity of like life the last six months even though like no one's been with other people, I feel like any interactions you have with, or I have with anybody becomes like somehow more meaningful because it's like my world is relatively That's small. definitely true. I haven't quite thought about it in that way, but that, yeah, <laughs> that resonates. Yeah. So I've been feeling like the last few months very like, I don't know, sort of like, um, uh, this sort of like sappy feeling of like, oh, I'm so lucky. To- <laughs> it's good though. It's good to be grateful and, you know, have those moments. For yeah, it's gratitude. yeah, absolutely. It's gratitude. It's gratitude, but it's like a different kind of gratitude, like the gratitude of like having a business with like other people working for us. And like, it's a different kind of gratitude than like gratitude I'm used to. Like I mean, I'm grateful to, you know, my family, my husband, you know, like, but just being grateful about work um, and, and spending time with like. Yeah, I think one thing that, that the, you know, this whole time has taught us is like, especially when it comes to businesses is like, they're, they're not to be taken for granted. So I think yeah. that must force you to take a different perspective. And I imagine that's like where that deep sense of gratitude comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because it is, you know, it is like a baby to me, totally. but it's a baby to me, but it's also like gratifying to see that like other people care enough to like be giving their lives to this. Totally. Too. And um, anyway, um, <clears throat> so f- fast forward, <laughs> you, <laughs> you uh, decided to no longer be a dog walker company entrepreneur. Correct. Uh, in Boston. And uh, you came to New York. Now, did you specifically, did you want to move to New York uh, in order to do the um, program that you're in at Hunter? Or like, was 
otherwise said, like, was that specifically the program you wanted to do? And can you tell people about the program? Yes. So I love this program. So I'm in the Animal Behavior and Conservation Program at Hunter College. Um, I did specifically move to New York for that program. I got an accepted. It was my top choice. Um, so were there other programs that you were looking at? Yes, I was looking. So I knew I wanted a master's program. I wasn't ready to jump straight into a PhD. So that really limits your options. I was looking at a couple of other programs. Um, one of them was completely online, which I didn't want at the time, but I'm experiencing now anyway. Um, <laughs> what one was that? Uh, Canisius College. It's an anthrozoology program. So it's definitely different. Um, but I felt like my options were really limited and it is a great program. Um, so I was open to that. Um, but I did want to do specifically animal behavior if I could. So I did apply to this and I applied to a program in Scotland, but that's just, that would have been a lot. That would have been a big change. Um, what was the program in Scotland? University of Edinburgh, Edinburgh University. I actually don't know which one it is. Um, and it's an animal behavior master's hmm. degree. Um, but yeah, Hunter was my top choice. I'm very thankful that I got in um, and that I'm doing that now. Um, yeah, I can, I, I don't know. I, I can talk more in detail about the program. <laughs> yeah, I, well, just, but, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to know what your, um, what is it that you do? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, is a it thesis. Thesis. it's a thesis. It's a thesis. So in another, I don't know, my life is just full of these like on expected turns. I think like the same way dog walking became or dogs became my life and my livelihood for so long. I thought I was going to study dog behavior, dog cognition when I came to Hunter. And now in a unexpected turn of events, I'm actually studying uh, koi and goldfish welfare at an aquaponics facility in Brooklyn, which I am totally excited about. So how did how did that happen? Um, (laughs) Again, I, I was just um, so in my first semester, I was in a seminar class and I had um, this amazing lecturer come speak, um, Dr. Becca Franks at NYU. And she does incredible work with um, fish and fish welfare. And I heard her speak and it was the first time in my life where I was like, wow, I just need, I need to, I need to learn from this person Um, So through the help of one of my professors at Hunter, um, I reached out with her and she was taking students at the time. So um, since then, we've just been developing this uh, master's thesis together. And she has a good relationship with a farm, an aquaponics farm owner in Brooklyn. So that's where the fish reside. And that's where I'll be doing my research. So are you researching how to keep fish occupied or like how to arrange their habitats? Yeah. So, um, so welfare research historically has dealt with like relieving pain and suffering. But I think what most people are realizing now is like just reducing suffering doesn't mean you're providing a good life for the animals that are in your care or in our care as humans. Um, So I'm really interested in positive welfare. So how can we go beyond what is necessary to reduce pain and suffering, to actually promote happiness and joy and agency and, um, you know, really give the animals that are in our care without, you know, they didn't like agree to do this, but, um, you know, we have the responsibility to give them a good life, like a life that's truly worth living. And I think that applies to Agreed. all. Yes, I'm just I'm specifically for my thesis um, doing this with fish who have been, I mean, 
it's only very recently that people agree fish feel pain. So fish compared to Amazing. dogs or other animals have a lot of ground to make up, which is unfortunate, but hopefully I can help in a small way. Amazing. So who are, who are the koi that will, that will benefit? I mean, not the ones that you're work. I mean, is this the kind of thing like, because people, I guess, koi, people have koi ponds. Yeah. Like a decorative thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So the work that I'm doing, I'm, I think, you know, if, if it shows to promote positive welfare, it definitely can be applied for like hobbyists who have koi ponds. It can be applied um, in aquaponics facilities like the one I'll be working at. Um, what is aquaponics? And, yeah, so it's really cool. Um, it's like a closed water system. So I'm not an expert in aquaponics, so I might be butchering this. Well, but you know more than I do. <laughs> it's a closed water system. Um, and it's like a relationship between like the fish that live in the water and the plants are grown from this water, like using the nutrients that are provided, I think, by the fish and also by, you know, added by humans. But Basically, like the fish remove some of, <laughs> I'm doing a horrible yeah, it's, a, it's, yeah. an, it's an ecosystem that produces yes. what? It's like um, food for us? Or? Yeah, it's the plants like, um, that can be eaten. Um, so grown and harvested and eaten. Uh, it's a community garden. So Like um, seaweed? Actually, so these fish are in freshwater, but any, any, anything can be grown um, like leafy greens, um, underwater, not underwater. So just the roots are underwater and then the plants are growing from basically the roots are in these pipes and they're growing from that. And then from above, it looks just like a normal community garden, but there's just no, like, there's not like the soil and the beds that there usually is. And all of the water is cycled through this tank that the fish live in. And yeah, it's this, my mind is blown. I have, (laughs) It's really cool. I just that is fascinating. What an interesting thing. Yeah, and so these farming systems are gaining popularity and then a lot of the time a lot of the time the the fish are harvested actually for food as well, but at this farm um because it's stocked with goldfish and koi fish and because the owner of the farm um doesn't want the fish to be used for food. Um, they're just permanent residents of the farm. That's really interesting. So are there like Nina Audison toys for fish? <laughs> Honestly, there is one that I've seen, but I've not had the opportunity to try it. But there is a puzzle feeder for fish pellets that I've seen on the internet. But there definitely needs to be more development in that area because I think they would really benefit. Have you done any fish training yet? No, I haven't. So I actually only have gotten to visit these fish once in person before um, COVID shut everything down. I have plans to get back there in the next week or two, which I'm really excited maybe, about. Maybe we need to get a pet fish at school for the dogs to practice clicker training. Honestly, I am very excited about the idea of training uh, these fish. Like, it's beyond the scope of my particular project, but I think just as like a you know, a side project and enrichment, additional enrichment for them, I think it would be really cool because I mean, they definitely can do it. But anecdotally, you see fish being trained all the time. Yeah. Have you seen Ilana's trained fish? I have. Yeah. On um, Erasmus. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Yes, I have seen that. So yes, it definitely can be done. And you can buy little like basketball courts and stuff for them underwater. So cute. Fish basketball yeah. courts. <laughs> all right. 
2021 we'll get we'll get a school for the a school for the dogs beta fish perfect we can, we can get it like the most uh you know luxurious tank and yes give yes. it a good life give it a good life so tell me about about your pooches oh they're the best um they're my favorite things on the planet so i have two senior bonded chihuahuas chloe and lilo so and did lilo. they come first Yes, they were first. So I adopted them almost four and a half years ago from the MSPCA in Boston. They were a senior bonded pair and Lilo, you know, already had a, a few health issues. So they had just been sitting there and they were actually my first dogs ever. And wow. Do you know, do you know what their story had been? How they ended up there? From what I was able to gather from their paperwork, they were in a loving home for the majority of their lives. Um, and I think their owner just came upon really hard times and, um, you know, might have had um, lost her housing. Um, and rather than, I mean, she really loved these dogs, but rather than keep them and potentially, you know, give, you know, not be able to provide the life that they deserved, she brought them to the shelter. But she was very clear she wanted them to be adopted together and, um, you know, just given the best opportunity. Mm -hmm. or a good life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like a broken record but yeah and what are, what are what are they like oh uh, they're chihuahuas um so you know whatever that means to anybody who's listening um they're i mean they're 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 so distinct they have i mean th I, this was shocking to me when i first adopted them because again this is like my first introduction to dogs um or dog ownership but like they're just so distinct even have having they they came from the same backyard breeder they were in the same home their whole lives but um chloe she's 15 she is incredibly um independent and she um uh not stubborn but she knows how to get what you know she knows how to get what she wants um and then Lilo is 17. She, at this point, um, you know, she's she's older. The vet says she's like in cognitive decline or whatever, but she's, she's so she gets a little confused sometimes, but she's spunky. She is fiery. She, she loves me and no one else. And, you know, she just, she's happiest when she's with me. So that's Aww. really cool. No, she's gotten to spend a lot of time with you lately. It's been such a gift, honestly. I think about what, her quality of life would have been like if I wasn't home all the time, especially coming back from the vet and given such a difficult uh, prognosis. But because I was here all the time and I was able to like really tend to her needs very closely, I think that's a large reason why she is doing so well now. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, but then my third pup, uh, my accidental dog is Jackson. He is so fun. So he was our foster when we were in Boston. We fostered him for two years, but he has major health issues, major behavioral issues, and not surprisingly had no prospects for adoption for the two years that we were fostering him. And we didn't intend to keep him forever, but um, with his adoption opportunities being non-existent, um, you know, there was a possibility of euthanasia and we just couldn't, you know, we 
we couldn't allow that to happen. So we've made a lot of adjustments in order to happily have him in our home, but it's been totally worth it. You've been fostering dogs prior to that? Yeah, I did a lot of fostering in Boston. And, you're, um, and, you're, and the chihuahuas were cool with the... the incoming yeah. freshman. <laughs> Honestly, it, I think it was a really great example of how, you know, even older dogs, you can help train and, you know, help them be comfortable with different things or, you know, teach them new things. When I first got them, they would, they were very reactive on leash, like to other dogs, you know, they were like the classic, classic chihuahua lunging, barking at any dog that passed. Um, you know, if anybody walked by too quickly, they'd react to that too. Um, and then, you know, over time we worked on that and then they became so comfortable with other dogs that I first was pet sitting. Um, and then once I realized pet sitting, like they were okay with those dogs who were there for a short period of time, we um, opened our home up to fosters for longer periods of time, which worked really well. We never, we only fostered, fostered one puppy. That might've been a mistake, but um, otherwise they were really great. There's so much to learn from fostering. Yes, absolutely. I learned a lot. Uh, so now, which one of them did you do sidewalk psychos with? Jackson. So Jackson and I have had so much fun this quarantine period. We've been <laughs> doing all sorts of virtual classes. And it's the first time I've done, well, I, that's not true. It's not the first time I've done formal training with any of my dogs when I adopted Chloe and Lilo, even though they were 11 and 13 at the time, I did do a basic manners class with each of them um, in Boston. But this is like, yeah, this is my first time doing formal training with Jackson and he loves training. Like he Aww. loves it so much. Um, and we've just really been having so much fun going through the different school for the dogs courses. I think we've done almost every virtual class at this point, and we'll probably end up doing some of them again. Well, so so tell me some highlights because people who are listening to this might be interested in taking their own classes. Yes, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, I might, it might sound like a biased source because I do also work at School for the Dogs, but I genuinely mean it. We had so much fun in all of these virtual classes. Um, so a little background about Jackson. He is. Um, reactive to other dogs. Um, and he has some stranger danger with men. Um, so in-person classes at school for the dogs weren't really an option for us beyond the behavior classes. Um, but when everything went virtual, we've had the opportunity to do tricks training. Um, we, that's probably been his favorite. Um, but mm -hmm. we also, we also did prep school, um, parkour, um, trying to think but we did calm canine which that was my favorite class tricks was jackson's favorite calm canine was absolutely my favorite i can't wait to take it again with him because we still have work to do because he gets so excited and happy but like to the point where he can't really contain himself um, during training that being able to help teach him how to be calm in situations that might be overstimulating or just stimulating has been such a benefit, especially for a dog with reactivity like he has. Anyway, I love all the virtual classes and I can't wait to take more. I'm who very excited. Oh, go ahead. Who are some of the trainers that you've worked with for the different classes? We worked with, I think every class was taught by someone else. We've worked with, oh no, Anna did um, 
tricks and calm canine. And then we did barkour with Adam and prep school with Claire. So, and then we did start taking sidewalk psychos in person before the shutdown um, with Claire. And we definitely will, once it works for our schedule, be signing up for that one again. What was it like doing sidewalk psychos virtually as opposed to doing it in person? And also, I guess for those who are listening, can you just like give a summary of what the sidewalk psychos class is? Uh, sidewalk psychos is another <laughs> amazing class um, for people with reactive dogs like me. Um, so it is a class specifically designed to help reactive dogs, particularly those re reactive on leash, um, just to stay below threshold and to work on leash skills to keep everyone happy and safe during walks through the city, which comes with a host of unique obstacles. So yeah, it is an incredibly beneficial class and we look forward to finishing it. And barkour, how would you describe barkour? Uh, barkour was fun. So Jackson had a bit of a hard time with it. Um, barkour is like an indoor um, or like at-home agility, basically. And it's meant for small spaces. I, we live in a very small apartment. So, um, you know, and the course caters to that. But um, it's supposed to teach, I mean, it does teach body awareness. Um, <laughs> Jackson did struggle with that. Uh, we're still working on the things we learned from barkour, uh, like where his back legs are in relation to his body at any time. Um, he has really bad hips. He has uh, pretty severe hip dysplasia. So um, we take the opportunity to, um, you know, work on <laughs> his coordination and things like that to build strength um, in his hips, mm -hmm. which has been great. Yeah, I describe barkour to people as like indoor agility with things you can you have at home and also yeah, yes. teaching like in, on, over, uh, under. Um, yeah, it was great because it, we took that at kind of like the height of the shutdown. So we couldn't go out and get anything, but we didn't need to. We just like used random things we had around the house, like brooms or, you know, rolls of paper towels or. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, how's school going online? It's going, um, you know, it's a, everyone's adjusting to this new normal. It's a bit of a struggle, but, um, you know, the the content is still really interesting. I just miss seeing everyone in person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so good to catch up with you. Yeah. Thanks, Annie. Um, anything that we haven't talked about that we think would be worth mentioning? Mm, no, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, well, psyched to have you around and miss seeing your face in, in Likewise, person. yeah. I mean, I just love sort of like your, sounds like your larger, you know, raison d'etre is to try and improve the lives of all yeah. kinds of animals in the environment that like we're asking them to live in, which is certainly something I can get behind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep, all animals deserve to be happy. So I hope to provide a little happiness to the ones that I'm lucky enough to come across. Thanks so much for listening. 
You can support School for the Dogs podcast by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, telling your friends, and shopping in our online store. Learn more about School for the Dogs and sign up for lots of free training resources on our website, schoolforthedogs.com. 